This is the Adult Explore the Bible Weekly Leader Training Podcast. This podcast is designed to help teachers prepare to lead a Bible study group using LifeWay's Explore the Bible adult resources. Each week, we review the Bible passage for that week's study. We will examine some questions that teachers may face, and we will give some teaching tips along the way. This summer, we are studying Jeremiah and Lamentations. I'm Amber Vaden, your host, and today I'm joined by Bill Craig. Bill serves as our Senior Vice President leading the Publishing and Ministry Experiences team. He has been a past guest on this podcast and leads a Bible study at his church using Explore the Bible. So he brings loads of teaching experience to our discussion today. Thank you for being here, Bill. Hi, Amber. Thanks for having me again. I enjoy this every time I get to do it. Well, we we appreciate it and always have a feel like it, we come away with a good conversation. So thank you. Uh, today we're looking at session three and we're discussing Jeremiah chapter seven, verses one through 15. Our summary statement for the whole lesson today is true worship is carried out through godly living. In verses 1 and 2 of Jeremiah chapter 7, God directed Jeremiah to stand at the entrance of the temple and deliver a message. The prophet was to call all the people entering inside to hear the message that God had sent him to deliver. So it was a valuable a valuable message that the Lord wanted his people to hear. In verses 3 through 8, uh, we read that Jeremiah called on the people to correct their ways, promising that God would allow them to live in the land if they did so. Uh, they had been offering empty rituals while also worshiping idols and mistreating each other, aliens, orphans, and widows. God challenged them to reject the deceitful words and actions that were hindering their relationship with him. In short, they were being unfaithful to their covenant with the Lord. In verses 9 through 11, uh, Jeremiah directed the people to stop breaking God's commands. They had trusted in the presence of the temple building, feeling that feeling no guilt in committing their sin. They believed that fulfilling the temple rituals freed them to live however they desired. And the temple had become a shelter for the sinful. Finally, in Jeremiah 12 through 15, uh, Jeremiah reminded the people what had happened at Shiloh and the defeat experienced at the hands of the Philistines. He warned the people that God would banish them from his presence if they continued to ignore his calls and choose their own ways over his ways. So it's a valuable message. The overall summary statement, again, is true worship is carried out through godly living. It's a good passage, and I think it will be a really good study for your group this week. Uh, so let's... It is a good passage. What does this passage teach us about God's priorities? Well, I think this is not something we have to be very uh, unclear about. I think it's really explicit in the text. God's priorities, you know, there are three or four that are listed here. Number one... You know, he's just not interested in insincere worship, worship that's hypocritical or lip service or rote or ritualistic. Uh, he doesn't want worship that's infused with this mistaken theology where the people of God believe the temple is inviolable. So it doesn't matter what they did as long as they're standing in the temple. They believe that uh, God is going to hear from them and is going to receive their worship. They've forgotten the very words of Solomon 
when he dedicated the temple. So I look back at 1 Kings chapter 9, uh, when Solomon was dedicating the temple, he promises uh, the Lord that the people will uh, be uh, will be careful in their worship. And uh, God responds by saying, if you or your sons turn away from following me, do not keep my commands, my statutes that I've set before you. If you go and serve other gods and bow and worship to them, I will cut off Israel from the land I gave them, and I will reject the temple. So the people are thinking the temple uh, will be there forever. Mm -hmm. But God himself has told them that he might reject the temple. Uh, another priority is that God uh, cares for the most vulnerable in our communities. And he doesn't want his people taking advantage of those who are most vulnerable, people like the resident alien, people who have had to move from their home into Israel because they, uh, they're they looking for economic opportunity or they're being chased away from their, their home. He doesn't want them taking advantage of orphans or widows, people who have to live without the protection of a father or uh, a husband in a society that's very male-dominated. Uh, these these children and women without a man around are very vulnerable. He also wants them to stop acting as unfaithful sinners. You know, they're murdering and they're worshiping false idols. So his priority is just really simply, it's clearly spelled out. He says, act justly toward one another. And I think, uh, you know, a great question for a group to discuss about this idea of God's priority is just to ask, is this still a point of concern for God's people? I think most people are going to answer that yes. Yeah. They they believe these are still God's priorities. And if so, what are the who are the most vulnerable people in our community? Who's being taken advantage of in our community that we need to act justly toward? I think that'll be some great discussion for most groups. That's good. Yes. Uh what did he want the believers to stop doing and start doing? Well, again, this is real explicit in the text because he tells them, stop believing in, in this temple theology that's all wrong, that you think the temple's going to be there no matter what, what. Stop taking advantage of the people who are vulnerable. Stop murdering. Uh, and that's probably a warning to people who are abusing their power and authority uh, to use the justice system in a way that just overwhelms people who can't defend themselves uh, in Judah at that time. He says, stop worshiping false gods. So he's got this nice list of things for them to stop doing and really a pretty uh, clear example or a clear message about what they should start doing. Start acting justly toward one another and start worshiping me instead of those false gods. Yes. So he's pretty clear about those things. And and really, when you come into worship, he says, stop acting like you're not doing all those things that I'm telling you to do. Because they come into the temple and they act as if they've been living a great life, thinking that because they're in the temple, God will see them there. And he says, stop acting like that, because yes. I know what you're doing. Uh, how does Jeremiah 7 relate to Jesus's cleansing the temple in the New Testament? 
Well, yeah, we've recently studied the book of John where Jesus uh, cleansed the temple, John 2, 13 to 16. It's also in Matthew chapter 21, 12 and 13. Uh, and Jesus is cleansing the temple for very similar reasons. There's all this commerce that's happening in the temple. And he he quotes this passage from Jeremiah when he says, you're making my house a den of thieves. In other words, the people who are who are uh, who are practicing commerce in the temple are taking advantage of worshipers who've had to travel a long way mm -hmm. and who come to the temple without the appropriate uh, animals to sacrifice. And so they're uh, being taken advantage of by those who are trying to sell doves and other animals there for people to sacrifice with. And it's become a place of commerce that's just, uh, it, you can imagine you're in a place trying to worship and you can hear the animals outside and smell the smell of all the livestock that's there and uh, have people uh, selling their wares and taking advantage of people who are probably not uh, able to afford the animals that are being sold in the temple. Thank you. Thank you for explaining that a little bit so that we can see how it connects uh, to uh, Jesus's words in the New Testament. It connects straight back to this. How can we today avoid the danger of letting religious rituals get in the way of true religion yeah, that is a great question. And I'm going to say, I'm going to give you an answer, but I, I think this is a question that every class ought to talk through yes. as a part of the class. So I'm going to repeat the question because I think every teacher ought to write it down and say, this is a question we're going to discuss uh, when our group meets together. How can we avoid the danger of letting religious rituals get in the way of true religion? Well, I think we have to make sure, again, I think you should discuss this in your class, but here's my thoughts on this. Uh, I think you need to make sure our worship isn't about my personal preferences. That's one way to start. And so you're doing a careful self-evaluation of your motives for worship. Am I focusing on the Lord and what he has for us in our worship service? Or am I evaluating the worship service for the way it makes me feel or what I like in the worship service? So we need to stop evaluating the worship service because it doesn't appeal to me. It needs to be uh, an opportunity for you to come before the Lord and to have an, a period of self-examination, asking, have I acted unjustly toward someone? Or have I let something become an idol in my life during this past week? Am I assuming some privilege of the denomination I'm in or the wealth that I have or the influence I have or this church body that I'm a part of and get to participate in? Am I letting that privilege in my life uh, say to the world, well, I'm, I must be uh, being heard by God because of the uh, enormous privilege that I have to be in this place. And so I think all of those things have to be evaluated in the life of believers and congregations as they come together for worship. Yeah, that's helpful. I think those are really good um, questions we can ask ourselves to, to 
to look at our own motives and our own uh, motivations for what we do. Uh, so I, I do want to take a minute and point out so when when your group reaches uh, verses 12 through 15, there is there's a pack item that's really valuable. It could be super helpful at this point in your in your group discussion. It is a map. So it's a pack item number seven. It is a, a map that you can put on the wall or on the floor, whatever, whatever works for your specific environment. It is a map of Shiloh's locations and four significant events in the lives of the Israelites that took place there at Shiloh. Uh, so it's a it's a really good pack item. It can help your group to understand those few verses, those last three verses, a little bit clearer. Uh, another thing to point out for your group, the Bible skill on the personal study guide, page 35, it shares a Bible skill that I think uh, connects to this a little bit and could be another another good teaching idea to, to help uh, your discussion of these last few verses. Uh, the Bible skills to use a concordance or a Bible dictionary to learn more about a feature of Israel's religious life. And this can be really good if you have some uh, newer Christians in your group or even non-Christians just to understand an, a tool that is available to us to better understand God's word, um, a concordance and or a Bible dictionary. It just uh, helps them to become familiar with that resource um, as they, as they, grow to know God's word and to and to study it on their own. Uh, so the Bible skill suggests using a concordance to find references to Shiloh in scripture and to read about it uh, and to kind of highlight some, and some of that information is on that pack item. So that's that's kind of a little shortcut to it, but but there's more to learn about Shiloh. That's a very brief thing on the pack item. And so this is a, uh, a valuable Bible skill that can help your group think through or to learn about Shiloh if they don't already know and to think through how that um, message of judgment would 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 still happen and be a significant part of what God is saying in these verses. Bill, are there other thoughts or comments that you would add? This is a really good passage. It is. It's a. It's a, an opportunity for us to evaluate our own worship and think about the impact of our daily lives on the worship, uh, and really to think about how our lives ought to be wrapped up in worship every day with the Lord, not just waiting for those moments of congregational time. I think that's really how we avoid that ritualistic. Uh, worship on Sunday by making worship a part of every day. So as we interact with other people, as we care for the vulnerable in our community, we make those acts of worship before our Lord. And uh, that helps us come then prepared on Sunday uh, or whatever day we're worshiping together uh, to worship the Lord. Yes, that's helpful. Thank you. Uh, before we go, let me remind you about Extra. Each week, we identify a current news event and describe a way of using that news story to introduce or conclude the group time. This uh, bonus teaching idea is free, and you can find it on the Explore the Bible website uh, by typing in goexplorethebible.com slash leader extras. And again, that uh, goes live every week with a new idea, a new teaching idea that can be used in your discussion. Uh, Bill, thank you for joining me today to discuss these questions and to look at this passage. Um, I have just appreciated this time uh, having you on our, our podcast. Thank you. I've enjoyed it. Hope you have a great day.
Thank you so much. Next week, we will discuss Jeremiah 12, verses 1 through 13 with Tim Pollard. Tim is our team leader for the Explore the Bible Kids, uh, and it will be a good discussion.